Hey everybody, this is the Dr. William Clark Podcast. This is Dr. William Clark, your host. Glad to be with you in the saddle. Thank you for joining me for this uh, audio-only podcast. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't love and miss you guys because it's audio-only, but it, is, it does mean I get to come and podcast with you all and to be on this journey. I love being back in the saddle with you guys and talking all things nonprofit fundraising, nonprofit leadership, nonprofit strategy, etc. And I hope that you've been enjoying the episodes this year. Uh, I cannot believe, I really, just before I get into the topic today, I can't believe that we are literally almost six months into the year. I mean, obviously, if you look at social media, everybody's posting about this has been the year from Lord knows where. Uh, because of all the drama and issues that we've just been wrestling with as a country, as uh, a global society. Um, and as we developed our plans to launch this year and to go after the goals we have for our nonprofits, I don't know if we saw this coming, any of this stuff coming from January up to this point. But what I am thankful for is that you're here with me, that you are here with me, because here's the thing, right? In spite of everything that's going on, in spite of all the things that are uncomfortable, disheartening, disappointing, scary, if you will, we are still here. And we have an opportunity to still get things done that are going to be a part of our legacy after we are long gone. And so I I relish the fact that we, you and I, get to work together on that and to be a part of that journey together. That's exciting to me. And uh, it fuels me. So I thank you for being on this journey with me. So with that being said, let's get into our topic today. Um, I, I see this question a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, and I, I do want to address it. Um, I, I did talk about this within the nonprofit fundraising strategies Um a group in on Facebook, which you can be a part of. Just go ahead and uh, uh, join the group there. Uh, click on the link and, and agree to the rules and someone will let you in uh, in there. Um, but I see this question a lot uh, when I as I uh, peruse social media and people want to talk about, you know, listen, how do how, what do I do now? Um, what do I do now to to get my nonprofit rolling now that I have my 501c3? Now that I'm able to uh, request donations, what do I do now? And uh, the question typically is framed like this. Uh, let me just read this verbatimly. Do you know how to receive funding to start your nonprofit? Or where can I find money to fund my nonprofit? Right? Or I just got my 501c3. I'm ready to rock and roll, save lives, and uh, save all the wells and puppies I can in the world. So where do I go to get money? How do I get the funding to get started? And so you, you see those questions a lot. And I think that shows up um, in, in quite a number of circles just because I think people believe that once you get your 501c3 status, once you even get your EIN, you are ready to rock and roll. I think that's a part of the story. It's a small part of the story, albeit, but a part of the story. But I think there needs to be a conversation about what reality is. OK, so we want to talk about what happens once you get your 501c3. What now? What do I do next? And I want to walk you through a couple of thoughts here. Um, I, I don't know how long this podcast is going to be, um, but I just want to walk you through a couple of thoughts. I am going to encourage you if you need consultation or you want to talk with someone about what you got going on. I want you to visit me at my six figure funding dot com. Again, it's my six figure funding dot com. I want you to visit me at Eli Patrick dot com. Again, that's Eli Patrick dot com or go to nonprofit funding strategies dot com. Nonprofit funding strategies 
com, and um, I want to walk you through uh, some of these things. If you want to schedule a th- free 30-minute consultation with me, go right ahead. Just scroll down on the website of any of those links, and then you'll see a 30-minute consultation button. Go ahead and click that, and I'll be glad to speak with you. But let's talk about this. Uh, what what happens once you get your 501c3 status? So let me just start by saying that once you get uh, recognition by the IRS that you are in a tax-exempt organization, uh, things get somewhat infinitely harder not harder from the sense of you can't function and do what you do no because what i notice is that a lot of people once they get 501c3 status it really is uh, the status is more of a badge to to uh how do i say this it's more of a badge of honor it's more of a badge of affirmation to say that the work you've been doing without 501c3 status, the community engagement you've been doing without 501c3 status is now recognized by the IRS. And if people choose to do so, they can give a tax-deductible donation to your organization. And so it's perceived as a badge of honor, and I get it, right? You've been doing this stuff in the community with veterans and with youth and with mothers and with single mothers and and with elderly people and with your church and all these things. And so this 501c3 status is a recognition that you are now legit enough to ask for a donation and it can be written off somebody's taxes as a charitable gift. That is a a well-deserved badge of honor. But it gets infinitely harder to do what you do if you're going to take it seriously and take it to the next level, which is to find and identify and maintain funding sources to get you in position to serve more people and or increase the quality of the services that you plan to provide. Right. When you start to figure out or say to yourself, I want to be in that arena, I want to do more, I want to be more, I want to see more, I want to serve more, then that means you got to elevate what you do. You got to elevate your your baseline operations to be inclusive of what funders will fund to show that you have the credibility and resources to actually make it happen. Okay, so it's not that simple now to say, hey, where do I get money from? Now, I have seen people say uh, within social media circles, hey, go ahead and ask your board if you have one for money. Uh, do a GoFundMe. I don't know for what to get started with money. One of the things uh, and some people say do a fundraiser, which is cool. I mean, you know, you can do a fundraiser, whatever. Right. And you can raise net a couple hundred dollars. You could probably collect a couple hundred dollars from a GoFundMe account or, um, you know, friends and family giving, which is cool. But uh, I want you to think about this. When you when you make that first ask, you may get that initial bump of a couple hundred dollars and you will feel good about yourself. I remember my first fundraising event, man. It was special. My wife and I, uh, we did we, we did pretzels and, and coffee. Uh, we were still in Philadelphia and we were outside of uh, this grocery store and she did it with me. Now, what made it special was my wife and I did it together, which was always dope, right? But the moment we pulled up to the store, she said, listen, I got to tell you something. She said, I'm pregnant. And she was pregnant with our first child, which was like, what? (laughs) Are you serious right now? So I spent the entire fundraiser just excited on on, uh, cloud nine, knowing that my baby was having a baby. So, you know, it was it was a memorable event. And not saying you're going to have that glorious experience like I had, right? Shout out to my wife. Uh, but your first event is going to be special. You're going to put your everything into it. You're going to you're going to do a lot. You're going to say a lot. You're going to see a lot. And and given Corona, you know, things are going to be a little different uh, given uh, where, where we are today. But you're going to make a couple of dollars. 
But when, when you get past the rush of that, when you get past the initial support that people will show, they will show initial support. Uh, then what? That that's the question. It's the then what question. It's now what we're we gonna do. Question. It's the how do we move forward? Question. What are we gonna do with these couple hundred dollars? Where do we where do we go? Where do, do we create an account? Do we have an account, etc. So that initial couple hundred dollars you'll get is not an indication of success, nor is it an indication of what will always be. Now, in some cases, some people will fundraise and fundraise and fundraise through events, and they may find some success, but you're trying to find sustainability. You need large sums of money to come in at some point to launch your organization, to serve more, do more, be more, and to put you on payroll. Do not forget that because you need staff to fund and operate the work. Now, here's a couple. Here's something I do want to share with you, and I share this a couple of times, and I deeply believe in this. Uh, but here's something that you need to consider. When you launch a company, nonprofit, for-profit, it's all the same. You launch a ministry, whatever the case may be, it's great to put a, a, a public shingle out on a, a social platform and say, hey, we are open for business. We're welcoming donations. Would you please consider giving? That, that is always great. But one of the things that I find so interesting when I ask people this particular question is the answer is no, why would I do that? And the question is, do you give to your own cause? Do you tithe? To your own cause do you support your own business it's cool if you can start a business with zero dollars and it just blows up and you you made zero investment of cash and yet you've used opm other people's money to grow and do your thing but there is a question about commitment what's your commitment level to your own business nonprofit, ministry etc it's all the same it's a business and what does it say about you that you don't give tithe support invest in your business on a weekly basis now that may shock some people but it is a true thing if you're starting something if it's a passion project if it's something that has merit and can really change lives it is a powerful thing to say i invest especially in the early years where you have no salary you're still trying to build up the income you're still trying to build up revenue and a reputation it says something about you when you're able to say i invest i give i support I tithe. You know, when I started my churches uh, several years back, it was it was my honor. It was my honor to tithe to my own church. Right. And I used to see that growing up. Uh, some of my favorite preachers and pastors and when they would collect the offering, they would hold their envelopes up now, you know, whether there was something in it whatever right that aside but i took something from that and, and when i started start when i started other businesses that were not faith-based or not nonprofits, uh it was important for me to invest in those businesses to get them off the ground my first business was not a nonprofit. it wasn't a ministry it was a for-profit business it went down the tubes with all the glory and uh banners and and fireworks it could and i made that initial large investment and i lost it all and then some and it taught me lessons it taught me how to manage business money it taught me how to grow a business it taught me so much about me and my practices and how to grow partners and relationships etc but i made that initial investment and I learned something that because I'm making that initial investment, I got to protect it. I got to take care of it. I got to be judicious over my investment. Not that I wasn't, but you can make some terrible decisions. You can mean well, but your business will go down the tube. And I learned from then on when I want to start a business, I got to make the initial investment or I got to be smart with the investments I get my hands on. When we started our churches uh, several years back uh, and we had no support, no members, no core team, no nothing. It was just me and my wife giving every paycheck 
to the ministry to support it, to grow it, to develop it, to expand it. And I knew that even if I had zero members, that I would be able to at least afford this type of worship space on my own dime because I was tithing. Because I made a commitment to my career, to work, and to tithe from my work. My wife made the same commitment. We tithe, we give, we support. And it goes to the ministry. It benefits the ministry. Years later, we still do the same thing. Thankfully, we have some members and the partnership that we've developed with our members has allows us to do way more than just the basics, right? So I'm very thankful for that. But did it, did, this is a, a question that I do want to pose to the newbies out there who are so anxious to get your 501c3. Welcome to the club. What have you done to invest in your own vision? Now, listen, I know you're going to say I spend my money on supplies and fundraising things, stuff like that. Listen, I have a podcast called Chicken Dinners. You got to listen to that podcast because I talk about fundraisers are great, but fundraisers are money losers. They suck money dry out of the givers. If you think about it, profitability is extremely low. In a fundraiser, because when you factor in the expense of people, when you factor in the expense of supplies and all the other expenses that you may not even document, you probably made a couple of dollars. And I mean, literally a couple of dollars or made a significant loss or had a significant loss. If you just simply donated what you would have bought from a supply store, you would have made more money just by putting that money in the bank. I.e., are you tithing and giving to your own cause? Are you encouraging people to be tithers and givers? And I'm using this. This is like church biblical terms, tithing. But think about the principle. Tithing represents a 10 percent, a tenth of what of what one raises or earns in a business. If you're saying, listen, I make fifty thousand dollars a year. I'm going to commit myself to give every paycheck seventy five dollars to my business. There are business principles out there that says you want to set aside 30 percent of your check for three specific purposes, tithing, investing and saving. And what if you are tithing to a cause, a ministry, a purpose that is God ordained, let's say? What if you're saving for your business and giving your savings to your business, which you probably should save for yourself? And what if you're investing in your business, right? That changes things because now you don't have to beg your family to give to your GoFundMe where they'll give you $5, $2, $1, which, I mean, what is that going to do for you? You can tithe $75 a week or every two weeks to yourself and do more than that combined. So so what's the purpose of the initial GoFundMe or the second or the third that people will not support after a while? So it's not that simple. The second, the, the, the next reason why it's not that simple once you get your 501c3 is once you start to uh, pursue funding, you're going to get rejected over and over and over again. And it's because you're new. Funders don't like to start uh, fund infrastructure dollars. You may get a couple dollars here or there, but it's not sustainable. Funders don't like to be the original or the only funder of an organization because they don't want to be dependent upon to pay somebody's check, bills, uh, their rent, their mortgage, etc., their car note. Right. So they want to be a part of a portfolio of funders that you cultivated. Next, they also want to see performance, a history of performance. Can you do the work you claim that you want to do? Can you perform? I can do it better than everybody else. Great. But where's the track record? Where's the data? Where are the results? Where are the testimony? Who's on your team? Who are your partners? And if you don't have none of that, then you don't have a claim to fame uh, in regards to you doing it better than everybody else. It's easy to criticize other organizations because you think you can do it better. But if you aren't doing the work on a massive scale, a scale that moves numbers, you're really not doing anything. And you got to understand that funders look at you this way. 
So it's going to be key to realize this one tactic, this one strategy. If you want to raise money fast or faster than you ever have before, there's only one step that you have to take. And I teach this in my free webinar. I teach this in my online uh, nonprofit fundraising academy. Um, And that is you got to be partners with somebody. And you got to have the right partner. I have a free webinar. Go to my website. Take my free webinar on how to land your next major grant with the right partner, how to assess partners for the right purpose, purpose and purposes that develop your nonprofit. That's the only way you can do it uh, early on. Other than that, you'll be getting a couple dollars here, a couple dollars there, maybe a thousand dollars here, two thousand, twenty five hundred dollars there, but never, never a critical mass of cash that can allow you to make a difference. Here's another thing you got to think about. Most times when nonprofits are new and they get these small um, donations and they go and spend it all on the people, which is cool, they tend to forget not to have a budget that's inclusive of staff, i.e. you, your time, your investment, the commitment you've made as the executive director, the founding executive director or CEO of this nonprofit, You have a budget full of buying supplies and items for the community. But the greatest asset to a community from a nonprofit is not what you give them. It's who you give them. The biggest investment of a nonprofit is their people. It's the type of people that we give to our clients that makes a difference. It's the thinking of our staff that makes a difference. It's the creativity of our staff. It is the investment of our staff that makes a difference, not the incentives that you give to your clients. You may believe and feel that, man, if we just give more young people this, they'll come. Fake news, not true. Can I tell you from experience? But on a meeting today, talking about incentives, and they still don't show up. It's it's It doesn't work. And this is coming from organizations that have resources, massive resources. Even in my own organization, we it's a, it's a struggle. We know it just doesn't work. Even with adults, incentives don't work. So you're giving away stuff without asking for a commitment from your clients for no reason. The biggest investment you can make and the biggest gift you can give to your clients are people. When you don't budget for people, including you, you are an asset to your community and your customers. When you don't budget for people, then you're detracting from what matters most. You're taking away from your com- your customers and your clients what they need the most, and that's that's people. They need good people who are going to be a part of their life and their growth. I'll close with this. You know, when you when you start out and you get your five hundred one c three status, um, funders are looking at you know your history of performance. All right, can you do the work or not? But here's another thing that that you got to think about. You need to have a track record of managing money, managing. Major money, large money, large sums of money, not five hundred dollars here, fifteen hundred dollars there. Like, cool. I'm talking about twenty, fifty, one hundred, five hundred thousand dollars, million dollar contracts. Do you have the skills to manage money, manage budgets, multiple lines of income that have different start dates that don't correlate or correspond with your fiscal year? Do you have accounting skills? And I'm not saying you got to be an accountant. No, that's why you got to hire a professional to do that. But as executive director, you got to sign off or approve or be the one looking at the budget and knowing who you can hire. What can you pay for? What can you afford? How much rent can you pay? What can we cover with utilities? What supplies can be ordered, uh, et cetera? You got to prove that you have the ability to manage a business, which is managing the budget, which is making sure you pay people without having their paychecks bounce. Making sure people have overhead like insurance, 401ks, 
retirement, right? Vacation time. Making sure people have an office. If not an office, then a, a, a good working, newer, and I mean new, laptop. Or in the case of my staff, iPad Pros. We, we iPad Pros all day. We've been doing it for years. That's our main computing device for a number of strategic reasons. Maybe we'll do a podcast on that, why we chose those as our main computing devices. I mean, you got to pay for this stuff. Come on now. You can't expect, I'm going to get a donation for all this stuff. Getting hand-me-downs and getting handouts for your nonprofit, it, it reinforces the idea that you believe and the people who are giving to you believe that you are a charity. You are a dumping ground for leftovers of unused uh, resources and tools and supplies that people no longer want or need. There's nothing wrong with receiving donations, but you got to understand, you're a business, even though you're a nonprofit. And as a result, you got to budget for expenses that are associated with running a business, including furniture, including paying bills, including paying people, including paying yourself, including paying for other things that make your program and your nonprofit go. Yeah. So when you ask, now what do I do after I get my 501c3 status? The answer is, Start giving to your own nonprofit, especially if you're the founder. Start tithing to yourself. Perhaps if you have partners who are willing to tithe every week for a season to your nonprofit for a specific financial goal, start. And don't stop. Continue to give and invest in your business. Second, make sure you develop your program content and language. If you need help and coaching around that, go to my website, EliPatrick.com. That's right, Eli Patrick. Dot com schedule a free 30 minute consultation with me so we can help you learn about how you want to frame your work your message your 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 business your program etc you got to get your language down third then you want to start pursuing funding not directly you want to if you're going to do it directly you got to go at the smaller amounts of money because you remember you're new but for major money going after money is about going after the right partners and not being a leech but being a contributing, active, value-add partner. You can't just be one leeching and saying, I'm going to try to leech onto this program and, and try to get some of their money. Nope, that's not how that's not that's not how it works. And, and people will see right through that. I will. Yeah, I want to partner with people who can add value in an area where we are deficient or we want to grow, but we don't want to hire the competency in-house. We'll just partner with XYZ organization. What value can your nonprofit, i.e. you, Add to the relationship, right? You can go through my assessment tool, uh, my free webinar, and get the assessment tool and, and assess everybody and their mama and say, I want to work with you. I don't want to work with you. But when you go have that conversation with people and the people turn the tables and say, hey, tell me about you. What can you do? What can you offer? What's your history? What's your performance history? What's your track record? What have you all accomplished? And you can't equally hold your own weight and tell your own story. It will go nowhere. So let's review. Start investing, tithing to your own nonprofit. Get your language together, your strategy together. What are you about? What's your program? Find a partner. And then here's the last thing. This would be premature for many of you, but you need to hear it now. Deliver. When you don't deliver, you lose funding, whether it's from a partner, whether it's from a major funder or a small funder. When you don't deliver, you don't keep data, you don't achieve results, you don't have stories to tell, you don't have evidence of your performance, you will lose funding. It is the fastest way to lose funding. Trust me. I hope this podcast has been helpful to you. I hope that it's empowering you. 
uh, to pursue change, to lead change, and to be the change you want to see in your community. And we will continue to uh, publish and be a part of uh, your work through this podcast, a part of your journey through this podcast, because we want to see more nonprofits in our communities doing things that matter, that can result in significant change and result in people finding life uh, transformational experiences because of you and your work. With that being said, I want you to find me and join me for the Nonprofit Funding Academy, Fund Rate Funding Strategies Academy. And you can go to by uh, go there by going to elipatrick.com. You go go to the elipatrick.com, go to mysixfigurefunding.com. Uh, Again, it's mysixfigurefunding.com. And uh, we'll be glad to have you in a group. We'll be glad to have you uh, part of our journey. We'll be glad to be a part of your journey because we want to see the great work that you're going to accomplish because of who you are and who you're called to be. This is the Dr. William Clark Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace. Have you ever wondered how large nonprofits consistently generate millions of dollars? Have you ever wondered how to write the perfect grant or how to successfully manage a grant or even how to find money beyond grants? Hi, my name is Dr. William Clark, and I'm the creator and instructor of What You Should Know Before Applying for Grants. This masterclass has over 28 modules of training, and it comes with tools, tips, and tricks on how to generate significant money for your nonprofit. Some students have been fortunate enough to build six-figure programs, and others have been fortunate enough to triple their fundraising results because of this masterclass. Whatever your fundraising goals are, this masterclass can help you achieve them. To register your seat, simply go to mysixfigurefunding.com. That's mysixfigurefunding.com, and you'll be taken immediately into our student portal where you can access all of our trainings. You can take the trainings on demand, at your own pace, and at any time. You even can interact with other students and me all online from the comfort of your home or your office. If you want to secure your seat today for this masterclass, what you should know before applying for grants, simply go to mysixfigurefunding.com. Again, that's mysixfigurefunding.com, and I'm looking forward to learning with you and growing with you as you achieve your fundraising goals for your nonprofit.